Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of the Magicast. I'm your host, Scott Monroe. Welcome to a very special episode, which has been in the works for about three weeks now. Uh, me uh, and our guest this evening are trying to pencil in a date in the last couple of weeks, but we've had to put it off and on due to schedule-wise for both of us. Uh, but we're here today to do a very special episode talking about Jose Mourinho's departure and the arrival of Daniele De Rossi. I have a returning guest. It's Mr. Kaus Pandy. How are you, Kaus? Really good. Better than ever. Thanks for having me again. No worries. We've been aiming to do this episode for the last three weeks since the news broke uh, in uh, mid-January. But due to your commitments, my commitments of work, now I have to go in twice a, twice a day in the office. We've put it off and on and off and on, but we came to a date to do it today. Today's the 7th, and this is the second episode we've recorded this week. But no, thank you for joining me. Um, I will start. I like to add a bit of cricket talk because we we're both cricket fans. Um, I know yeah. some some of some of the Roma fans will probably think, "Oh God, why it's only be about two minutes?" So is this going to end up two two or three two to someone in the next couple of weeks? I'm going to say three two. I, I think the weird part about what I've noticed in India over the last few years is that whichever team bats bats second loses mm-hmm. it. So I think. Whoever wins the toss is always going to be important in the last what three games. Yeah, because if you, you the pitches in India really dry out on for day day five, and but if if England don't win the toss early on, I mean India know how that pitch work. I mean England do as well, but again, India are generally you know better players of spin. But yeah, I think. I was shocked, a bit shocked in the first test because of how hotly bowled and everything. But yeah, I mean, that Ollie Pope innings was brilliant. Oh, that was that was just that was wonderful to watch. Um, I watched most of it on the Saturday before heading out to get a football. It was just a dream. Um, I am expect I was expecting England to play a test match with no fast bowler. That would just be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it didn't happen but I it wouldn't that, surprise yeah. me it wouldn't surprise me if they do it in the honestly it's a bit weird because whenever teams from sometimes England, New Zealand, South Africa come to India there's, I've seen times when uh, those teams feel spinners who never play for their country again mm. I think for New Zealand this was Ajaz Patel about yeah. two years ago last year I don't remember who saved the test match I don't think he's played for New Zealand ever again so I won't be surprised if what you're saying actually happens in the next few games. Oh, Someone just wonderful. goes in there just for the sake of playing, just because he's a spinner. Because although Joe Root's turning into Muthaya Muridharan in every game, <laughs> yeah, wish he could be batting a bit better. But yeah, I think it could end up two-two or three-two to someone. And to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if it's India, and I'd be happy with that, just because England have landed blows, like. If this was under a different era, I was preparing five now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, because it's a different mindset, and we'll be talking about mindset in a moment. Um, but yeah, um, basketball—it's just—it's just great to watch. It's just yeah. a mindset. 
And it's scary. And you know, in the, in, in the second innings, I mean, in the previous test, I saw a lot of people criticizing England for how well they played. But I've never actually seen a team score close to 300 on the fourth innings on an Indian pitch. Mm. Even though I think the pitch was a very batting-friendly pitch, but I've never seen that happen ever in the past. So I think that's that's I think that's probably because of baseball. I mean, could just be me suggesting <laughs> how massive a fan I am of that style of cricket, but I think it's it works, especially when you're probably going to have a backs to all job every single time against a spin attack. And it yeah. worked. I think if if if, say, if the score if India hadn't gone past three fifty, England were in with a chance. Definitely. Yeah, I I completely agree. One all to play, with three to play. So one all with three to play. Sorry, uh, English Scott. Uh, and then I think the next one in next Friday should be good to watch. That is pretty much the end of the cricket chat. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want to bore bore any of our listeners. We're, we're big. I'm a big cricket fan. I'm a nuffy. I love it. I love football as well. They're two sports. Um, but yeah, um, we're here to talk about a departure and someone that's come in and probably changed the complexion at Roma. I know it's a small sample size of three games, but like I will be doing a, a tactical thread tomorrow. I was going to do it today, but uh, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> and I, I don't want to burn myself out. I did one on, on the Verona game and like it's different. Like, yeah, like one of my... Yeah, it's it's different. I'd like to see what is is what's going on and with Roma how they're setting up. But what were your thoughts? Because we were talking about this in when did I have you on October November time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on Jose Mourinho sacking? I mean, honestly, I was covering all of that a day before it actually happened. I was constantly getting this. Um, I mean, purely on the basis of what was being reported across Italy, it was that. He's not going to get sad now. They were constantly saying that he's going to get the next two games or the next three games, which is which are the games that De Rossi has actually managed. I mean, they were constantly suggesting that if he doesn't pick up nine points during those games, that's going to be the end of him. That's what I thought's going to happen. But uh, I simply don't know how Roma just kept that under wraps, which is actually commendable in a way, considering... Uh, the sort of newspapers out there in Rome that actually cover Roma in a very in-depth way. So to keep that under the wraps is really great work from the uh, from pretty much everyone in the Roma media team or in the communications team. Uh, but yeah, I think it took me by surprise. I mean, not to say that he didn't deserve to get sacked or or, or he was he was doing a great job or anything like that. But yeah, I think to see him go. Um, I mean, a lot of fans pointed out to the fact that there was, what, a four-point gap between them and the top four. Um, And I looked at the next three games thinking that um, Bologna will probably drop off and Fiorentina have always been inconsistent when it comes to uh, pushing that top four, pushing into that top four. And we've seen that they've now dropped to ninth as well. I thought even if Roma get two wins... And with Lazio, you know, faltering with all the internal issues, Roma might just have a chance, even if they don't win one game out of three. And with Mourinho's uh, contract expiring in the summer, might as well give him sort of a respectable payoff. Um, I mean, 
not just because of the fact that he won Roma the Europa League. Um, oh, sorry, the Conquest League. Yeah, yeah I wish it was the Europa League. League. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who would? Uh, I mean, then I mean, I recently read that Mourinho actually left that Conference League ring behind. Yeah, which is a bit sad, but it's a very Mourinho thing to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought in that moment, I thought, why not just let him stay to the end of the season? But I think looking at what's happened since then and a lot of reactions I've seen uh, from the Roma fans towards uh, uh, towards that comparison between how Roma have been are now and how they were under Jose. Um, I think you can see that they pretty much had the same sort of resources. But after a point, and I, I do remember texting you when he got sacked that it became sort of a very predictable thing for him to do. Whenever mm-hmm. Roma dropped points, he, he went on about referees um, or some decision which tends 50-50 decision or something like that when Roma's uh, went the way of the opposition. Um, and the playing style became very predictable and that didn't really appeal to a fan base, which, um, I mean, I won't say has been spoiled, but I think I always associate Roma and Rome itself with a bit of that um, passion or that unpredictable approach which they potentially had on Apollo Fonseca. Because mm-hmm. I wrote after all of that saying that when Paulo Fonseca left the club, or even during the last few weeks at the club, you could see that they had a playing style there, which uh, could have passed on to the next manager if it was a Mourinho or someone someone in the mold of Fonseca himself. But I think looking at the legacy in terms of the squad identity and a tactical identity that Mourinho's left behind, I don't see much of it, honestly. I mean, he did um, give Roma that global status because of how they won silverware and competed for the Europa League as well. But if I if I was a manager who was replacing Jose Mourinho when he was sacked, I was I would honestly look at that Roma team and think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of uh, what playing style they have to adapt to and what uh, build up shapes they have to adhere to. So I thought. Once I considered all of that, I thought, yeah, I mean, he probably should have been sacked. And then we obviously know how De Rossi's done with with handling that team and identity. And we then compare that to what Mourinho could never really do. I remember writing all of this in a piece about two weeks ago when he was sacked. Um, and my main criticism with the Mourinho era um, is probably the fact that, I mean, there was no real build-up shape there. It was too reliant on individuals and an individual who's probably injured half the time is that Paulo Dybala. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's probably one of the best players, better, best attacking midfield options across Europe. But they were simply too reliant on them a lot of times and Mourinho himself talked about it a lot. I think my main issue was that very fact that they... Mourinho never really left behind any tactical foundation for the next manager to build on. And honestly, that's been the case in his last three jobs now, be it United, be it Tottenham Hotspur, be it Roma. And that's why I think he's now 
um, a cup manager, essentially. I don't see him as a league manager. He's more of a cup manager, which makes him think that he's now um, very much fit for a national team role. That was going to be my next question. Uh, where do you see where do you see him going? Like when we did our pod, I want to say two and a half weeks ago, um, we I think we had ideas of destinations where he could go. A part yeah. of me feels Chelsea could be on the horizon, maybe mm, Newcastle, yeah. and or maybe uh, one big massive payday and go where the money is at the moment, and that's Saudi Arabia, or yeah. There is a a Euros competition in the summer. Could well be Napoli, even though De Laurentiis yeah. is sort of denied all of it. But yeah, you know, yeah. that's the De Laurentiis we're talking about. Yeah, and there's yeah Na- Napoli. Yeah, I, I forgot about that, and then I saw the reports a couple of weeks ago, and I was just thinking, mm, interesting. And mm, then yeah. Portugal after the Euros. Mm, yeah, yeah, just Could thinking. I'm not sure about Portugal because Roberto Martinez was appointed about some months ago mm. post post World Cup. So I'm not sure about that, but yeah. I mean there's definitely interest there from the Portuguese FA. But I don't know. I think it all depends on how Martinez does in the Euros, honestly. Because he's he's got that I mean, honestly, Martinez has got this tag of being a very system first manager. And I like that. And I think he's more of a club manager now. And I think he was always a club manager, stuck in the national team um, sort of situation where he doesn't deserve to be. So I think Martinez should probably stick to managing clubs and Mourinho should stick to managing national teams. And they should just swap their places around or something. Interesting. Interesting. Do you think it's pretty much... A national team job for Jose now, or just yeah. why? Just think of options. Maybe something that does quirk his interests. Maybe later down, like it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to Chelsea for a third time. It yeah, I mean it's Don Bali. <laughs> yeah, um, won't be surprised at all. He's made some stupid decisions. Why not make another one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't. He's uh hasn't done well since being at Chelsea and. Is it spent over a billion in a transfer yeah. market? Honestly, I think there was this since I've supported I supported Man United for, mm. for about fifteen years now or something. I remember this game where um, United lost four 0 to Conte's Chelsea and Mourinho was manager. And since then, I've noticed that Chelsea fans, um, whenever they come up against the Mourinho team. They've constantly abused Mourinho. Oh yes, yeah, I've noticed that. I still find weird. I mean, they're now backtracking. A lot of them are saying that why not get him back and all of that. But I think if I was Mourinho, I was I, I would look at that job and think um, they're the ones who used to hate me. I'm not going to go there. And no, but no, again, no, no. if Mourinho has no other options, then I, 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 I don't know. But I think the Newcastle one's really interesting because I think Eddie House has got credit running out now, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, say, they don't finish inside the top eight, I mean, it could be at risk. I mean, the credit in the bank is probably finishing inside the Champions League spots, which, they, which they're out of. 
But yeah, I think the Newcastle one does interest me because they've got sort of money that Mourinho would want and which he obviously didn't get at Roma. He got that at Tottenham and United but couldn't really make much of it. So I think that's like a clean slate he could work on, honestly. And that's, that's like could appeal to a fan, a passionate fan base, which, you know, obviously loves Rafa Benitez. Might as well love Mourinho. <laughs> oh, God, yes. I forgot about that. Um, with with Newcastle, I know they have the endless cash, but aren't they yeah. going to have problems with finances? Haven't I heard? I've heard some stuff they may be under yeah. FFP. Yeah. Could be a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of players of theirs might just leave. Mm. I mean, I'm not. Callum Wilson's probably one. I think Callum Wilson will also end up in Serie A. Well, end oh. up in Milan in the summer. Yeah, rumors of Conte. Callum Wilson's yeah. Callum Wilson's probably leaving, and I think Kieran Trippier was linked to buying, and Newcastle yeah. straight out denied it that he's not leaving. Eddie Howe also said that. Uh, I mean, could be Bruno Gumaraj himself leaving. That would be huge. <laughs> that will anger any manager out there. Oh, top class. Player. Think, uh, it... it really depends on how their sporting structure is as well, because Dan Ashworth's at Newcastle and he's been linked with United a lot. Um, and if he leaves, that, that there's like a major transition happening over there with a new sporting director in and a new manager in. And if, um, depending on who the sporting new sporting director is, I mean, anything can happen there. But I think I've always seen, I mean, from the outside, look as an outsider looking in, I've seen Newcastle to be a very modern football club. I mean, of course, they have a lot of money to spend, but I've not seen them spend in the same way that, you know, your top six do. Mm-hmm. They still spend pretty sensibly, which... Yeah, wisely. I mean, yeah, I mean... I won't say that Mourinho is not sensible. He's someone who likes those more expensive players. Newcastle can do that, but that will require a different change in, a, in philosophy of how signings are made. And Dan Ashworth's one of the smartest sport, sporting directors out there. I don't think you'll like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I would agree with that. Um, I have two more questions on, on Mourinho. And then we'll talk about uh, the return of a club legend at Roma. Um could you see, as a, as a Roma fan, I could see the writing on the wall after the Juve game. Could you see it a bit further back, as you as you do write about Mourinho a lot for your website and yeah. and, and Roma and Italian football in in general? But could you see the writing was on the wall? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty much ninety percent sure that he was going to leave after the Europa League final. Yeah, um, and. Looking back on it, it should have ended there. It should have, yeah. Completely agree. um, There were these obvious signs that Roma can't sustain their spending anymore. And Tammy Abraham had actually got injured around that very period. And the idea for Roma was that they would would sell Tammy Abraham and make some cash and then spend that on, you know, bolstering their entire squad. And the guy got injured and they couldn't really sell him on. I mean, and signings that they ended up making hadn't quite worked out. They've either been injured or the 
they've not really matched sort of levels that the sort of expectations as fans that fans would have had. I think it was probably the best time to leave. I mean, he was, I, I still think that if Roma had won that final, he would have left right there. Mm-hmm. But he mentioned in an interview after that thing that I saw that passion or whatever passion or hunger in the faces of the players and thought I'll carry on. So I thought should have left right there because again, as an outsider looking in, I thought mm, I don't think Roma can spend as much as Mourinho would like. I don't think they they're that Napoli sort of club who are much more sustainable financially. Or say a side like Inter, who even though they operate with, you know, financial restrictions, they've got that Pemorata there, who, you know, could, uh, you know, could operate on the tightest of finances out there, and sign some really really quality players, just as he is now at Inter. And I don't think Roma exists in that universe, or and they also don't exist in the Premier League universe. I mean. I thought it was sensible for him to leave at that point, and he had uh, a Europa League final and a Conference League final in in hand, a Conference League title in hand. And imagine if Mourinho had left after the Europa League final, he would have had this constant complaint about Anthony Taylor saying that if yeah. he hadn't given that penalty this decision against Shoma, he would have won that Europa League final. Similar to how he complains about that Tottenham uh, Carabao Cup final and all of that, he would have had that with him. But the way that he's been sagged, it sort of tarnishes his reputation a bit, I think. So that's, I mean, again, in hindsight, I think sacking him at that point, I mean, sort of leaving the club at that point would have made sense because uh, there were jobs available at that point. We know Saudi Arabian clubs were keen and then. PSG were linked. I know PSG got Luis Enrique mm. after that, but yeah, there were clubs and teams out there who were pretty much interested. And I think, if I'm not wrong, Saudi clubs, I think probably Al Ahli or someone, I, I'm, I'm not sure who, the, who that club was that made an offer yeah. for him and he rejected them. It I think he should have taken that up. Saudi, it was one Saudi club, I think, had a Portuguese manager, if I'm not mistaken. Was or they got Jesus? a Portuguese manager. Yeah, I mean, he's Portuguese, been. of course, he's Portuguese speaking. Yeah, he's Brazilian. Wasn't it the Botafogo yeah. manager that went to Portugal? It could have, not Portugal, that went to Saudi Arabia because they tried to get Jose. I could be, I could be horrifically wrong, but no, I'll, I'll do some fact checking after that, after the pod. And then put it, I think it was put it one in. of those, uh, uh, one of yeah. Al Hilal Al Ali, or I don't know, one of those big four. Let me have a, let me have a look. Um, my other question is, and we'll leave Jose Mourinho after this and go on to De Rossi. What is Jose Mourinho's legacy at Roma after his um, his sacking? I think I think I wrote a fair bit about that on Twitter and even otherwise. I think even though he was sad. Um, I would personally always associate him with, you know, raising Roma's global profile. Because, and I'm not saying that Roma didn't have good European finishes before he came in, because they reached the Champions League semi-final under Di Francesco, 
mm-hmm. and you used to you know the Europa League semi-final and the Fonseca and they played Champions League football Ooh, but under Mourinho they could never really play Champions League football but again it was I mean Mourinho is someone who I mean from the um, he would constantly make this point that he loves the club but at the end of it I think Mourinho is someone who cares about and I don't think that's wrong at all he only cares about his personal accolades which is completely fine um, and one thing that I think even you'll agree with that, that the fact that um, if you look back on um, one manager if say if I ask you to look back on Paulo Fonseca's reign you will probably not be able to pinpoint one specific moment which stood out but when it comes to Mourinho you'll probably use that Nicolas Aniolo goal in, in, in the Euro, in the Conference League final mm. as that moment so I think he'll always have that and even me not being a Roma fan I'll say the same although the way it ended um, wasn't meant to be that way but I think he'll always have that with him and he'll always, he'll always have that Anthony Taylor thing with him oh. and then obviously he's got that fair, fairly decent collection of memes in the stint as well which which are all which we both tough. use because I don't think yeah, which, which we both, both use on so pretty much yeah. everyone uses Football heritage. You used me and you used the football heritage one quite a lot. And I think there was that. Uh, <laughs> I think it was after the Bayern Leverkusen game when he ran across the touchline. Yeah, I think he was bawling his eyes out in that game, or was it some yeah. other game? And then there's that. He did. He did it uh, in Leicester game as well. Yeah, and then that post Conference League win thing as well, where he was crying with the uh, medal on. We have a good good amount of content. At least I'll thank him for that. As <laughs> as a non-Roma fan, you do love you do love your Jose memes, but who doesn't? I love the memes in general. I think. Yeah, we all do. Um, the Saudi club was Al Halal. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. Um, I'm not just got... I'm not surprised. No, so I've got it here. Al Halal made an offer in 2023. In the summer, and he rejected it. I think it was a big, big offer. Um, who did they get in to, to replace? Um, well, they are top of the league. I did watch Ali Hal in Mumbai recently, but I don't really know who their manager is. Was it? Is it not? Who is it? Uh, it's uh, someone that we just mentioned, uh, yeah, Mr. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Because I did remember that he was managing somewhere in Saudi Arabia, but I didn't really know where. And somehow I don't remember seeing him on the touchline in, in, the, in their game against Mumbai City FC, which is weird. This is his second time in Al Halal. He did 2018-19, then went to Flamengo, a year at Benfica that's, during the that's, COVID year. That's a true pioneer then. Yeah, his clubs is uh, it's, it's a it's a list, but yeah. Um <laughs> We'll, we'll move on to Daniele De Rossi, who had a, what should we say, an unconvincing time at Spal. I think he was sacked in, what, 17, 18 yeah. games. Yeah, he's come in. It's a low-risk move and for Roma, and it's six months, I think, on 350K for the six months, which is an, a reasonable job, just a firefighter job. 
three games, three wins. He's done what Jose Mourinho couldn't do and get wins over Hellas Verona, Salernitana and Cagliari. Uh, well, he did get a win over Cagliari, but he couldn't beat Hellas Verona and Salernitana at the beginning yeah. of the season. I had to get that sly dig in. Apologies for any offence mm-hmm. caused. I apologise for nothing. Um, but what's your thoughts on De Rossi? Um, I th- you, you liked one of my tactical uh, threads. Yep. Analysts I put out for the Hellas Verona game. I do like the asymmetric setup, 4-3-2-1, with one wing-back high up, which is normally Rick Karsdorp, and then the left-sided full-back. I nearly said wing-back, full-back, playing as a centre-back when Roma have the possession, and then the Bala tucked in, allowing the wing-back on the right to bombard and go forward and whoever is the right-sided central midfielder can tuck in and do a defensive job. Um, but so far, so good. Nine points. The the win against Calorie was quite emphatic and I think that's the best I've seen Roma play yeah. this season so yeah. far. But what's your thoughts? It is a small sample size, but what are your thoughts on De Rossi's start at Roma to date? I mean, honestly, um, I mentioned this to you before, the, before we started the podcast. I'm not surprised because it's it's become this weird pattern where as soon as Mourinho leaves and and, and, the, and the club he was at hires a former former player and that manager somehow gets a grip over um, the squad he has at hand that Mourinho couldn't really put a stamp over when it comes to a tactical identity. And they somehow make use of it. And De Rossi somehow done that as well. Because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did that in Man United. And he did much more than that. And we had that um, at Tottenham as well with Ryan Mason. And mm-hmm. then we're having De Rossi doing that. But I think I'm seeing a much more prominent um, build-up play in this case. Which I didn't quite see under... Um, Ryan Mason at Tottenham or Solskjaer at Man United, which is actually a decent complement to De Rossi himself. And I don't think it's about um, because you have these some managers out there who somehow come up with a style of play to suit the profiles of players. I don't think that's the case in the, in, in in this situation. He has that uh, style of play in mind, and honestly, um, the way. Roma currently plays some. Um, I mean, not completely, but somehow reminds me of Italy um, under Roberto Mancini around that Euros win period. They too played this asymmetric shape where um, one of the fullbacks went forward, and somehow one of the 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 fullback on the other side dropped back, which was usually Di Lorenzo. Mm. And I think since he's worked. Uh, with Mancini as part of the Italy national team stuff. I'm not saying that he's drawn inspiration or anything, but you can see that he's someone who's worked with that setup where, um, as you mentioned, one of the fullbacks stays deep and the other one holds with um, and the attacking midfielder, which is Dybala in this case, tucks uh, centrally, allowing them, allowing uh, the wide players to you know, bomb forward. It does remind me a bit of um, the Italian national team in 2021. It also reminds me a bit of Paulo Fonseca, honestly, because there was a phase under Paulo Fonseca. I mean, not directly again, but there was a 
phase under Fonseca where Gianluca Mancini was playing as a defensive midfielder. Oh, yes. Um, and I honestly like that. I did as well. that's an inversion. I like inversions. And he was constantly involved in, in, in the very first phase of build-up, dropping in as, as a centre-back, which he usually is, and um, making sure that the two centre-backs spread wide and the wing-backs fly forward. Um, and I like this approach, although it's slightly different. But it's it's only three games in, but it's more... Um, it's sort of... He's done more work in the first phase of build-up than Mourinho ever did. Mm. Because I don't think Mourinho ever cared about your build-up shapes or anything. He's, we know he's that pragmatist who was very intent on scoring goals whatever way they want, whatever way there is. So I think it's a really positive step. I mean, the next game against Inter, I don't see Roma winning that because it's Inter after all. But yeah, I, I honestly want to see that structure in place because I want to see the process in place, not the result because it's only three games in. Um, I still think one drawback, one sort of weakness in the side is that defending transitions. Um, because I think this was, I saw that in the first two games, I didn't quite see that in, against Cagliari because it's Cagliari probably. I mean, the first two games I did see that they dropped off in the second half. Yeah, and one lot. thing which I was keen on seeing against Cagliari, and I tweeted that as well, was that do they drop off in the second half or not? And they didn't. But and I, I think in the second half, Cagliari probably didn't get a sniff, even mm-hmm. in the final third. A chance. I don't think they got a chance either. It was probably in the first half where I saw that they did face some problems early on in transition. And I think I did notice that against. I mean, in the first two games. Um, and again, it does remind me a bit of um, Man United and the Solskjaer where um, Mourinho somehow lost trust in all of his defenders. Um, and since he used to play this very deep defensive line, um, things stopped working out because defenders were either injured or he stopped trusting them. And I think quite the same things happened at Roma. Where Smalling's been injured, Mancini's constantly in and out due to suspension or injuries. Laurente is probably the same, although he's doing really well in the last three games. Mm. I think the Rossi's also made sure they press slightly higher up the pitch, which essentially, you know, nullifies um, some problems that defenders would have faced under Mourinho, which I quite like as well. And again, that's like a comparison to what Solskjaer did in Man United as well, where um, United started pressing high to make sure that um, the weaknesses of the centre-backs never got exposed as much as they did under Mourinho. I think he's done quite well. But again, I mean, the, the levels were pretty bad. And he's played against Salamitano, Verona and Cagliari, which isn't, again, a great sort of trio to judge performances of. But yeah, I think what I want to see against Inter is getting the processes right. And if he does that, I'll be pretty happy with that because you can't beat um, Inter as of now, the way they're playing. Mm. But I think if you get the processes right, I'll be pretty happy with that. The acid test for him... It's the next 
10 to 15 dates where you've got yeah. inter-Saturday, Feyenoord, and then Frosinone on the Sunday, yeah. and then the return of Isabia Di Francesco, <laughs> Di Francesco against De Rossi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the, and then the second leg against Feyenoord, if I'm not mistaken, is at home. And then it's uh, Ivan Juric's Torino side. So that's... That's so what is that? Yeah, two and a half weeks. So that's what four four games, four five games. So Saturday against Inter, which I I said on the pod yesterday, Inter is the best team in in Italy by a country mile, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they are and one of the better teams in Europe. I did say the best, but I think they are one in the top three behind yeah. um, Manchester City and maybe Real Madrid. By Munich probably fourth with the form they're going on at the moment. Um, it's it's going to be tough because the three games have been it's a small sample side and it is against no disrespect the cannon fodder of Serie A at the moment. Yeah. Hellas Verona are literally they're not asset stripping, but I think deep down inside they are thinking about next. Verona season. pretty much sold all of their star players. Yeah, this poor Lisa like here and. Yeah. And Gonge went away to Napoli. Yeah, well, they've they, got they sold uh, Terracciano to Milan. It's I mean, they sold pretty much every star player they had. Yeah, I think it's it Josh Doig has gone to Sassuolo. Yeah, Josh Doig as well. One, one of the other fullbacks went on loan to Spain, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they've mm-hmm. sold. Yeah. Um, oh, is the player was it the player that went to? The, yeah, they sent sold Ngonge. Uh, is it Davide Farioni as well to Fiorentina? Yeah, Farioni, yeah. Yeah, so they've There's sold... Pretty much everyone gone. Everyone gone. I, I don't know if they're just thinking, ah, just get ready for Serie B next season. I think this may be... Because I think Verona have got some legal issues there as well with their ah, ownership. I don't know ah, why okay. it might be the That makes they've, sense. They've had their assets frozen or something like that. This was ah. like December. That's probably... And to be fair to them... Yeah, even under Ivan Uridge, I mean, they were somehow just getting along, and he was making them all perform week in, week out. Yeah, yeah. You've got, and then you've got Salantana. Probably relegation. Yeah, you got Salantana under Inzaghi, which I watched play Torino on Sunday morning, and a part of me wish <laughs> I didn't because it was like the same game I watched on Monday, yeah. where the opposition had. 70 to 75 percent of the ball but struggled to break them down and then Roma just I, I wouldn't say decimated but they put in a, a a very impressive front foot performance against Claudio Ranieri's calorie side which we know Claudio Ranieri can be his sides can be quite hard to beat because they are hard yeah. to break down and he plays a style of football which is not easy on the eye, but it's hard to beat. Um, but I'm I'm intrigued to see what happens next because Inter's is oh, I can't wait to watch that on Saturday. I'm going to miss a bit of it because I'm watching football myself. I'm going to rush to get home, and due to that stupid law in the UK, I'm going to miss the first 15 minutes because of the blackout rule. But then you've oh, got yeah. the games against Feyenoord, which is all it's going to be a classic with these two teams have been playing against each other in the last three competitions yeah. in Europe. Frozen only have done really well this season with a, a, 
some very intriguing players on loan from Juventus. Honestly, they're, they're probably my favorite team to watch, mm. apart from the you know top six and top seven. Not Juve then? Don't fancy watching Juve no, week in week out. Not at all. <laughs> Get the bleach in the eyes. Allegri ball. Oh, Allegri ball with Mourinho ball was quite compelling to watch. He says I mean, with a sarcastic every smile. Every big game they played in was, I mean, a horror show. 1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0-1-0. binary code at the moment. But then, it's, even Juric's Torino side, they don't score goals, but they are easy on the eye yeah. to watch. So it's just, it's interesting. Um, what did you think of Roma's end to the transfer market? By getting in the three players that they brought in, yeah. Angelino on loan from think- Red Bull Leipzig. Um, yeah. and one of my favourite players. I don't know if he's one yeah. of your favourite players to watch. He's he is, yeah. Five foot four, five foot five, just so elegant. Tommaso Baldanzi. Yeah, and I think it was pretty shocked by the Baldanzi move mm. um, because what was important that they Roma had to move on three players. One was Kumbula, one was. Um, I remember who the others were. Yeah, Bellotti was one. Um, Zekicelli was one. He didn't yeah. move on, I think. And Renato but Sanchez I, was the other. Yeah. I didn't think they would make it, but somehow they did, which which came as a pleasant shock because I always saw him as that next-gen Paulo Dybala. And it was a pleasant mm-hmm. surprise to, to, to have him at a club where Dybala still is and might leave in the next year or so. So it becomes that natural successor sort of thing where he learns of Dybala, the man he's been compared to, and he's compared himself to Dybala as well in multiple interviews. And his agent does as well, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And his agent's Federico Pastrella, who's, who's one of the biggest agents in Italy, by the way. And I think he's Valdanzi for me at this point. He's probably the best Italian youngster out there. Um and I'm saying this because Wilfred, um, what's his name? The guy who plays for Leeds United. Oh, Nonto, Wilfred uh, Nonto. Yeah, Wilfred Nonto is not in Serie A right now. If he was there, yeah, he would have, my, would, have, yeah. would have been my pick. Mm. I think in Serie A, when it comes to Italian youngsters there, Valdanzi probably tops my list. And, mm. and, and Roma were a club who were financially you know, struggling. Tiago Pinto was leaving and it's essentially Tiago Pinto's last parting gift to the club. Um, and what a gift it is. I mean, I don't think he's had a great season. He had a great season in Ampoli, but he scored against Juve and he's great goal. really good for them last season. Mm. There's so much potential there. And it's like, um, it's the sort of signing that Modern day Roma usually don't make. You know, it's almost. Um, I mean, we don't see it now. We, we probably will in the next three years. It's probably at the same level as Tammy Abraham joining the club from Chelsea. And we'll probably see that in the next three, four years, how wide it's going to be, uh, even if they sell him on in the future. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's that Angelino move. And Angelino played as if he's he's been the best Roma fullback in the modern era in the last ten years or something in the previous game. Yeah, and fullback the crosses cross. he sort of managed yeah. to put in. Yeah, he put in more crosses than Spinazzola could ever put in <laughs> at Roma throughout his whole career. 
he did that in one game and that was really pleasing to see and i think angelini has always been that underrated wing back i remember him scoring those goals against man united knocking us out of the champions league group stages still have nightmares of that when he played against us so in the in the uh champions league group stages as well i've always liked him so yeah i mean considering that spin as well as probably leaving in the summer for the middle mm-hmm. east and then Zaki Chalix not really impressed too much. I think he's he's really good signing. Um and he's not at that age where he's going to decline anytime soon. And we've seen in previous games that he's someone who's tactically versatile enough to, you know, sometimes drop in as as one of the back one of one in the back three. And when the need is he can always always fly forward. And so I think even tactically it's a great move. Yeah. I think they you know it's in, I think they're going to probably sign him permanently as well depending on whether Laurent leaves over there Abraham leaves in the future. I think he's he's a really good player, really good on the ball. They want to sign Diego Llorente permanently and then sell him in yeah. the summer. Yeah. For yeah. um financial um reasons because yeah. there was reports today that I think it's Roma have to make 60 million. Is it in the summer? Yeah, yeah, 60 million. Yeah. Which could be quite interesting. There could be two to three players leave for for big sums. I I, I'm we constantly forget that Abraham's still there and if yeah. he is he's probably going to fetch Roma about 30 to 40 million if he goes to the Premier League and that's pretty much a given. That's... And then if Llorente leaves that's going to be over 10 million or something. That's yeah. 50 million right there. got to find that extra 10 million from someone <laughs> and who could you find think, it off it also depends on whether lukaku's loan move is made permanent or not yeah i think chelsea I honestly think, think it yeah. should be i honestly think it should be because i think he should be sent back to chelsea i think roma should get someone younger and that's just my hot take i don't know not a dutch striker that's tearing it up in serie a or do you see him going somewhere else I don't know. I mean, that fine old guy Santiago Jimenez. I fancy him a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a Roma signing. He's probably going to go elsewhere. Yeah. But I think I really like him. I mean, not Joshua Zerzi, but he's like oh, it's like forty million. Probably, yeah, over forty million. Then there's you know Premier League interest in him as well. United Spurs, you know, by Munich. That price tag's probably going to go beyond fifty million at some yeah. point. Yeah. I can dream. I can dream. Um but there is let's go be... another two year loan deal with an obligation to buy for 50 <laughs> yeah. million. Yeah, it could be. Some... Hey, you never know. You never know. It's like because there is rumors of Thiago Motta going to Barcelona which could be yeah. interesting. I was going to mention could you see I was going to mention on Mourinho could you see him going to Barcelona but for No, don't go to Barcelona. That's one chaotic manager going into a chaotic basket case of a club. He's just got to work with Jack Ford again. Oh yeah. Oh. That's a player. Because yeah, he had him at Porto, yeah. Um Yep. My final question is with Dorosti Garden with the points they've managed to get in the next three games. Realistically, could you see Roma go for top four? or if fifth spot for Italy is for Champions League realistically because of the new Champions yeah. League format for next season is top 5 a realistic opportunity for Roma in Serie A 
I think I think top five is. I'm not sure about the top four because I've got this inkling that one of Lazio and Napoli is probably going to recover as soon as possible. And I think Napoli can actually recover as quickly as next next week because Victor Osimhen can is probably returning in the next six seven days. He's just been playing the Afcon semi final against South Africa. I don't really know how that's that's panned out. But I can just double check. Osimhen returns. I think I think Lazio have always been this team under Sari over the last two seasons, where they somehow just end up recovering in the in the second half of the season, where they're they're somewhere around six or seventh, and then end up finishing around the top four or inside the top four. So I've got this feeling that one of those two could yet finish inside the top four. I've got my doubts about Bologna, although I really like them, and I don't think Fiorentina are going to finish inside the top four again. I think that top five spot is going to be about Fiorentina or Roma. I'm not sure about mm. Bologna. I can see Atalanta sneaking in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, Nigeria, it, Nigeria, South Africa is one all um, into extra time. One all on its way to is in penalties, and South Africa are down to ten men. Uh, William Trooster Kong scored his penalty, and Mokwena scored in the ninetieth minute, and Kakana got sent off in the hundred fifteenth minute. So that's gone to penalties. That's- Big Afghan, I think. Yeah, it's just vibes. It's just vibes. It's just like I I haven't had the opportunity to watch it, but when the when it used to be on Eurosport here in the UK, I used to keep an eye on it. It was just chaos. It's just vibes and chaos. The very first Afghan game I watched was Mozambique against Cape Verde. I I was not really paying attention to it. It was just on on TV. And former United striker Bebe scored from about thirty five yards out. That really told me what Afcon truly is. I mean, he's, I think he's he's been really good in the tournament as well, Bebe, which is see which is very much a throwback. It is. I did see a video of a goalkeeper throwing. Is it Juju <laughs> across the across the line, <laughs> like some white powder? And I was like, okay. I saw Karl Anker tweet that out, and I was like, yeah, that was quite funny yeah, to watch. Yeah, yeah, I saw but... that. And yeah, Carl actually but, wrote an article about that, I think, earlier today. A really good article he? that is about African football in Juju. Yeah, I will check that out. Um, Kaus, do you have anything else to add? I mean, not really. I just hope that Daniel De Rossi does well. Because, I mean, I was fully behind Solskjaer. I was fully behind Ryan Mason. I'm fully behind Daniel De Rossi. Why not? Just show me a playing style. That, that's all I want. He's done it so far in three games. If he can do it against Inter on on Saturday, I'll be quite happy. Just uh, yeah, I, just on the process to be right. That's all. And uh, we said on the podcast yesterday, if Roma score mm. first, that will be a game to watch. Because if Inter yeah. score first, it's going to be quite hard. It's over. Yeah, because yeah. Inter under Inzaghi, it's like a well-oiled machine. And they are a good team to watch. And unfortunately, I didn't watch the game on Sunday in the Derby d'Italia, but I saw no. the highlights and Chanaloglu's turned into like peak Busquets from about seven or eight yeah. years ago. And it's just, it's just turned into a world class regista. Uh, I'm really intrigued in 
quite looking forward to Saturday. But no, um, I think that pretty much wraps up the podcast. Um, guys, you can follow us at lomagicast.com and you can find all our previous episodes on the website. You can follow us on all podcast platforms. And if you fancy, give us a rating, potentially five stars if you're feeling generous. You can follow us on Spotify, Podbean, Apple, or wherever you listen. Cows, thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, I know it's quite late for you <laughs> where you are, mm-hmm. uh, but thank you so much for joining me. Cheers, Scott. I really loved it. I mean, I'm happy to come on later as well. But yeah, I'm still up for the next four hours or something, as I said. Oh. But my body got completely opposite to how people just people have been functioning here in India. But yeah, thanks for having me. Right, you're more than welcome. We'll be back Saturday after the game against Inter on Saturday evening. We'll probably be back at later in the evening, probably about an hour or so after the game. And then we've probably got about three, four podcasts in the next 10, 12 days because the games are coming thick and fast. But thank you for, for, for listening. We'll be back in the next couple of days. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. And ciao.